Yo, 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 yo. All right, all right, all right. What it do, podcasters out there in podcast land? So I'm going to do this episode in like a couple of sections. Uh, I'm going to do this first part right now. I actually wanted to get my brother to a podcast, but he was busy. And I want to talk about some things before they escape my mind. And then and when I made a couple of sections, I wanted to talk about uh, football. The season of football started, which was, I think we're on September 9th. Or 8th. I'm not exactly sure. Let me, let me find out real quick. We are. Yeah, September 8th, um, 2019. Today is actually September 9th, 2019. And um, my Raiders play tonight. I actually have been was very disappointed in yesterday's games. Throughout, through and through. There was no major upsets. Um, and a number of teams lost big time like if they didn't even leave the preseason there was a tie between the cardinals and the lions and i mean that was kind of weird and uh you know the steelers embarrassed themselves last night and the patriots look like they're rolling but anybody trained with the naked eye can see tom brady is throwing ducks but that's that. I'll get to that later. What I really wanted to talk about first, while I had a moment, was I watched both The Boys and Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal, and I gotta say, both were fucking amazing, man. Um, that's where I really want to start. I want to talk a little bit about The Boys. Uh, maybe then I, you know, I'll give you like 10, 10 minutes about The Boys. And then maybe another 10 minutes or so about Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. Maybe you know, or just see how it goes. And then after today, I'm probably going to finish up this episode after today. Because the Raiders played tonight. And I'm going to discuss that in depth. Because I'm watching it. We've got Monday Night Football. It's, it's against the home opener. And we're on primetime TV. So, without further ado, here it is. The Boys on Amazon Prime is... At first... When I seen the previews, I thought it was like a spoof, but it's actually a serious story. It may, I don't know if there was comics about it or what, but I mean, it's fantastic, man. Amazon made a really good TV show and it's actually, I've been thinking about watching, uh, the one with Orlando Bloom because they kept hyping it up, um, Carnival Row. I might watch that one because that actually looks kind of good. Right up my alley. But The Boys is phenomenal, man. Um, the characters is centered around a couple of big characters. Uh, Billy the Butcher. Starlight. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name whose girlfriend gets killed immediately. Like the very first thing in the series. can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. And Homelander. Those are the big characters. And then Homelander's... Oh, I can't think of the other lady. She was kind of evil too, but... Homelander ends up fucking burning her eyes out and killing her. Uh, those are the central figures of it. Um, Billy the Butcher. 
is some sort of a an FBI agent that has been cast out, I guess, for trying to bring down the supers, or they call them the soups, you know, a long time ago, and he's never really gave it up. Well, actually, and actually, he, uh, his wife goes missing, you find out, he thinks she was raped, and he's got all the, all the motivation to fucking kill off everybody, and more specifically, Homelander. Now, he's actually trying to kill them or bring them to justice or bring them down. Bring wants to burn their whole thing. In the beginning, you side with him um, because the supers are, are just literally get away with so much shit. Um, a train runs right through homie's girlfriend, like, and crushes her to smithereens, and then they all, all the supers are on drugs and everything, like. They get into it deep. Now, the thing I find interesting about the whole... This whole world that they built... Uh, and there's actually a really good story to it in and of itself... Is the financial aspect of the Supers. Um, the main company is Voight. Uh, and... They're like... A financial powerhouse like they're a huge company they make it and they almost that's why I kind of think it was a spoof of a little bit but it's not like basically they're like there are the Avengers if the Avengers was an act if the, if the Avengers actually existed you know, like Tony Stark's got the Stark Tower with a void. There's a void tower, and then they subsidize heroes to cities for the highest bidder. You know, like the guy in Baltimore was negotiating with the leader of Void as far as they were gonna get. I forgot what character they don't they sh- they talk about him, but they don't really. He's not actually part of it. She's like, I'll offer you King... It's not... Not Black Noir. Black Noir is part of the the Seven, as they're called. But I think they, it's King something. I forgot. See, I wanted to talk about this a while ago, but there's... I've had a busy weekend, and football is underway, and just... I watched... I got stuck watching Jim Henson's The Dark Crystals, and I got fully sucked into it. But, nonetheless... Um, The leader of Void, uh, it's, it's a lady. I don't know her name off the top of my head. She's like, look, it's $300 million for the superhero. He fits your demographic. He'll clean up the streets. You'll have him on contract for like five years. And the guy's like, no, I can't. I'm not paying $300 million for a superhero. I'll give you 200 And she's like, no. Atlanta's waiting for this same superhero, and they will pay. Now... What they don't tell you is the crime and all of that stuff. I think the people in Void are... Because there's no superhero there, they're kind of propping it up a little bit. They don't really get into it that much. But it kind of makes it seem like that's what happens. Like, if you don't have a super in your city, in your big city, like, guarding over just the things. Um, And then everything is... There, there's an iron grip on the superheroes and the social media aspect. Like, 
I don't know. It's a, it's amazing. They get a, get into like a lot of behind the scenes of what the series would do, what the heroes would do on the day to day basis, as well as some of what they would do on a some other legendary hero stuff that they would do. I like that about the show. Um, Starlight, or actually, Lamplighter retires, and that's how Starlight gets promoted into the seven. Um, you know, immediately she's disgusted by the deep. And by most of the other superheroes, because they're not actually, they don't actually do anything on the seven. And then they're they're controlled through and through. Like, oh, you know, you can't wear this. You can't say that. You know, you can't do this thing. Or you're gonna you're gonna have to make a speech here. Um, but the story goes, you know. Billy the, Butcher, Billy the Butcher recruits somebody. They hijack. Uh, I can't think of the invisible guy's name. He's not actually invisible. He just bends the light. Um, and they interrogate him. And they learn about Compound V. And they, they end up killing that guy. I don't can't think of his name off the top of my head either. But he's the one that he could be invisible. Now, this Compound V shit... Is just they're manufacturing superheroes, and it come to find out that Homelander is manufacturing super terrorists, uh, so that way they can get promoted to the military. That they can they're they're working on like infiltrating the military, and Homelander wants to be like the one there. He wants to be the you know the leader of the whole world that's what his I think that's what his goal is to be the supreme leader of the whole entire human race and you know be glorified in that as like almost like a Jesus so he hatches a plan now Homelander is a is a combination of Superman and Captain America if you merge those two characters into one you get Homelander. You get all the strength, the laser beams out the eyes, the flight, you know, this, that, and the other thing of Superman. Mixed in with Homelander is, you know, like Captain America has his cape as a flag. His country first, God this and that, you know, American. Got the quintessential American look, you know, with the blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, chiseled chin. And the squeaky, squeaky clean reputation. Now, Homelander evolves into a supervillain, but Billy the Butcher also evolves into a villain as well. Like he's out of control, while Homelander maintains his his squeaky clean image. Billy the Butcher is, you know. He figures everything out and then he goes off the deep end. And um yeah, I mean if you haven't seen if you haven't seen I highly recommend it. It's totally worth it. But yeah, you find out Homelander is in charge of Compound V and he's making super terrorists and killing people in masses. He downs a he downs a jetliner to further his agenda. Uh, and Homelander knows, like, 
they ask him, uh, I think the deep, or he asks the seven, who's the smartest man on the planet? And, you know, I think the deep looks at him like, well, you are like, you know, and he's like, oh, okay, well, why would, you know, this, that, or the other thing happen? And the deep has no answers. He's like, well, don't ever do that again because, you know, whatever the case may be. And and they make it seem like there is no beating him. He kind of reminds me of the guy on Watchmen as well, that, that superhero that eventually hatches the most diabolical plan and is successful to an extent. You know, he ends up... But he's not the most strongest. See, Dr. Manhattan stopped. And I can't think of that character's name either on Watchmen off the top of my head. But you know what I'm talking about. The one that even used Dr. Manhattan's powers or just power-esque to set off a bomb in, I think, New York or somewhere. And the entire world was like, all right, we're going to turn against the supers. And, the, and that ensured global peace. If Dr. Manhattan was the main villain, even though he had nothing to do with anything of the bomb or that guy's plan. And that's how Dr. Manhattan went and ended up parking up at the moon because he didn't want to be on Earth anymore. Anyways, now Homelander has that same type of thing, but he's going to be he's both causing it and he can stop Compound V but you know he's killing people in the process and doing it under like false like false flag operations um and that's where it gets down to towards the end billy the butcher and everybody find out that compound v is spreading shipped out like all over the united states given to random kids now some of them will turn out to be good. It really depends on how they're raised, and some of them will be turn turn out bad, depending on again how they're raised. And then he set up super terrorists, um, which the military got a hold of the footage, and you know now what was initially they were just about to bring them down. Then the military seen footage of super super villains on the battlefield, and it stopped the prosecution of you know Voight they halted it temporarily until they figured it out and by all intents and purposes they were they make it seem like they're not going to figure it out like they're going to end up having to go through Homelander and Homelander is going to be not only America's hero but the world's hero at that point now Billy like I said Billy the Butcher finds all this out and he goes off the AWOL he goes he kidnaps um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head again. Um, but he kidnaps that girl, and she he straps bombs her and all that stuff. You know, and Billy the Butcher's story is kind of is kind of interesting too. His wife, you know, you end up finding out that his wife cheated on him with Homelander, got pregnant. And then ends up having Homelander's kid. Now, Homelander doesn't know that either until the very end. Nobody knows that till the end, that he had a super kid. Until, like, the very end. And that's how the season ends when you find out that 
Homelander has a child with Billy the Butcher's wife that's been missing allegedly for like eight to ten years. And all of them are like parked on this little grass in this little grassy house somewhere. And they all get to introduce each other, introduce themselves to each other. And that's where the series ends or the season ends. And then you're like, damn, bro. Like, what's going to happen? You know. And I, like I said, I gotta give the show a fantastic. I would like my brother to uh, chat it up about this, but I mean, it was phenomenal, man. I, I really love the boys, and I, I recommend if you haven't seen it to go watch it. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you know, you don't have it, but find somebody who does and take a gander. Like, yeah, I give it two thumbs up. I give it like a solid eight, eight out of ten. You know, a solid eight out of ten as far as. You know, creativity and all that stuff, and the story was excellent. Fights were excellent as well. Now, now I'm gonna talk about the Dark Crystal, but I'm gonna pick this one up in a little bit, and I'll give I'll give a little rundown of that one as well. All right, late. Yo, yo. Okay, so I'm back. So I ended up working. For those couple hours I was missing, which was from 8 to about 4 p.m. now, 9-9-19. I didn't know that till it was a little bit ago. I didn't know it was September 9th, 2019, 9-9-19, which is kind of cool. Okay, but where I left off was, yeah, The Boys, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen The Boys, uh, maybe I spoiled some shit, but you should, if... You should already have seen it. If you haven't seen it, then you get the. There's a lot more to the story than I, I glanced over, like a lot. And I don't know everybody's name because I watched it about two or three weeks ago now. No, like two weeks ago. And I binged it. I got watch. I started watching one episode and I watched like four episodes one night and four episodes the next night, and then I like ended it. I couldn't help myself. Now, moving on. Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. This one is fresh on my mind because I just finished it a couple days ago. And I got to say, it's fantastic, man. Um, nothing but positive reviews for me. Uh, I gave it about a 9 out of a 10. Um, this is a story that, you know, if you don't know who Jim Henson is, the Muppets and stuff, uh, puppetry, you know, he's one of the he's one of the legends of it. Legends of the game. Now, they they did it very well. I mean, obviously, like I have my opinions about Godzilla and then the CGI Godzilla. The CGI Godzilla absolutely totally wrecks the 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 costume wearing Godzilla from the old now. But there's you know there's a in and of itself. Godzilla, the micro, the suits are not bad. You know, Shin Godzilla's suit is not bad, but the graphics around it are, you know, stepping on the buildings and the buildings exploding like they look like little fire poppers, like you know, sparklers that you get from on the Fourth of July. Like that is kind of corny. Um, so you'd have to CGI in a lot, and then Toho hadn't been. The money they spent on CGI was more on other things and not necessarily the destruction. 
and then you know the monsterverse that is it's all cgi battles you know the monsters move but the monsters move fluidly the destruction and the you know is there maybe the story isn't you know one of the biggest things i didn't necessarily totally understand in the first godzilla movie the godzilla 2014 was the military like the military literally served no purpose um and then they were like oh we're gonna send a nuke over there that's on an automatic timer not a electronic timer and they were gonna i mean i don't know this the whole story was kind of wacky uh gods of the king of the monsters uh i didn't understand the ladies the main ladies you know and that's not nothing against the movie i i bought the movie i watched it now on i have it i own, I own it but i didn't understand the ladies we we're gonna release the monsters to help bring back the earth when all they really needed to do was just bring Godzilla back around and that would have been it like they didn't need to go wake Ghidorah they didn't need to wake Mother. they didn't need to wake all of the Titans but anyways Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal it's not all puppetry it's some of it's CGI some of the landscaping is CGI some of it is hand built um they spent a good dollar on building the world for it and you know what they did an amazing job you know i knew going into it that it was going to be puppets um i watched the trailer and i was excited when i had watched the trailer about it it was one something that i have watched for a while ago i didn't know when it came out but then you know it came out and you know the story is phenomenal as well the story actually is really well written it's probably you know they get into a lot in like some big time heavyweight you know issues in between the characters and in between what's being you know how the, the story progressed like at no point do you feel like this is just puppets like yeah it is puppets i mean that's what the goal of the movie was or the, the series was to bring a puppet um story to life you know keep the story to the realist as it could be or what it was supposed to be but using puppets you know that's how it was made back in the days and I, I, they did a phenomenal job the story is really well written i mean this you know the Skeksi, the Skeksis, and Mother Agra, Rian, Deed, Hup, um, Archer, the Hunter, Skektek, the Emperor. You know, there's a lot of characters, and I think Lord of the Rings, or you know. Much like Marvel, like because there's so many characters, they need multiple. You need multiple movies to get multiple different angles and multiple different. You know, like why is this person doing that? You know, to build their, to build their, you know, their story up a little bit. Like, and then in this tale, you know, the Dark Crystal, they they do just that. You know, I don't know the three princesses' names off the top of my head because. 
I mean, it's, there's a lot of characters, but it, I know they're va- I think they're Vaporin. The tr- one of the there's seven clans. Okay, let me break down. There's seven Gelfling clans. There's the Skeksis. There's the Podlings. There's all the animals, and then there's there's actually eight clans, and then there's the clan that's not part of the Seraphim. Oh, they belong to the desert people that only seek death. Um, they get into them a little bit. Um, there's the Crystal of Truth. You know, it was corrupted. The Orrery. Uh, Mother Aldra. I think it's in... Uh, no, the All Aldra and the Mother, Mother Agra. And then there's the Mystics. Which the archer is part of the mystics, but there's other mystics out there. As a matter of fact, there's probably a lot of mystics because you find out in the story that the mystics are one half of the equation of the Skekskis, and they're split. They were split in two. Now, the Skeksis are, like I said, there's there's a general, there's there's Skektek, there's a chamberlain, the the emperor. The hunter. There's several of them that you that are on like the council as well. And there's other ones that are out there, like the heretic is out there. And they all have uh, other half, which I'm assuming uh they're out there somewhere, and now that they killed the general, his mystic must have died somewhere. But anyways, the story goes, you know. Rianne and and Gurgen and you know it really starts off with Rianne you know they get into a little bit of a sticky situation where well actually no let me back it up the crystal of truth they were using the, the sketches are using it to give themselves life like they're drain, they drain, and they eventually they drain the crystal of its power, and now it's not giving out. Now it's going to take. Then they find out that the crystal was no longer outputting, and it was only inputting. So what they ended up doing was Skektek figured out uh, that the crystal was going to drain, but it was going to leave behind essence. So that's what the crystal is doing, t- taking life, but leaving behind essence. Now the essence powers up the the Skeksis. And you find out that or actually Rian and I think Gurgin. Oh, I don't I don't know everybody's name. I mean they go over their names a couple times and then they just like they just start talking to each other. They don't call each other uh, by a name. But anyways. Um, they. Rian is like. He likes a girl. I don't remember her name either. Because it was very in the beginning. But they end up killing her. They drain her of her essence. And they drink it. And they drink her up. Um. That's what ends up happening with 
with her and that actually sets into motion like the whole story because Rian's on the run uh, the Skeksis hatch a plan that you know what they need to drain more Gelfling and get the essence so that way they could live eternal well at first they were going to just drain a few then it turned out that they needed to drain uh, Skektek just was like well drain 50 of them so they were going to get seven Gelfling from seven different clans. And, and they were going to have 49. And, and then... But Rian knew all this. He knows the plan. Mother Agra comes back. Uh, and basically the story unfolds as to... The Gelfling need to get together and, and stop the Skeksis. And... There's a little bit of intricacies into it in any war, like one of the Skeskis tells actually the Chamberlain tells Rian, look, if you go to war, a lot of Gelfling are gonna die. Gelfling. If you don't go to war, a few will die. Mostly everybody will be okay. And you know, he's a big decision, like he doesn't know what to do. They rescue him and you know and then yeah the I think the Chamberlain also is using the hunter to to hunt Rian but then he keeps him alive. There's a lot of politics in between the Skeksis as well. You know, the Chamberlain ends up losing his spot at the Emperor's side. Um so anyways they, they get together, they end up defeating the Skeksis towards the end. And they initially beat them, but the Skeksis only suffered two losses in their ranks. And Skektek, towards the end, is able to build. That's what they're going to do. They were using the Aramith or Arathim. They were going to use the Arathim to bring all the Gelfling in but then the Rathim sided with the Gelfling in the end uh, Deet's home they were okay the Skeskis knew that the caves of Grot where Deet lives had, had, had already become infected with the Darkening the Darkening is also I, I don't understand what the Darkening is I think it's the crystal was infected or like they said they make it say the crystal was corrupted and and now it's on a destructive path instead of a life-giving path so the darkening is spreading you know and the Arathim initially were going to be used by the Skeksis as a as an army and they were until they got to the caves of Grot where uh they were being eaten by a creature possessed by the darkening and there was nothing that they could do to stop it. Uh, D came to save save the day. She talked to the life tree or the tree of life. One of the one of those. Don't know the name of it off the top of my head. Gets the tree of life's power and is able to stop the darkening by absorbing it herself. Now, the, yeah, the tree of life ends up telling her that the darkening cannot be stopped it can only be it's energy it can only be transferred uh, and she transfers out the darkening energy from the caves of Grot 
and the Arathim to make an alliance with the Arathim and the Gelfling to fight the Skeksis. And that sets into the chain of motion to where the end, like I said, the end battle is the Skeksis are defeated, the hunter dies, and the general dies. And you find out the Skektek had uh, combined, he was able to combine a Grunak and a Rathim and make a, like a super warrior. But I think they were going to use the Arathim body parts as foot soldiers going forth. And that's kind of where the, the series ends. They leave it on a bit of a cliffhanger. You don't know what's going to happen with D. The Skeksis are still there. They Now they want a full-on war with the Gelfling. The, the Skeksis have now developed a... They've full-on developed now uh, weapons. And, you know, they're going to take aim again. Mother Agra is back at full strength, but down a mystic or two. Uh, the Heretic is still there. The Dual Glaive still exists, but... Um, yeah, the, the, I, the Dark Crystal was a great, it was a great series, man. Um, I binged this one over like three nights as well. Totally loved it. Uh, I'm a fan of that kind of story, like, you know, going all the way back from Willow, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, the Dark Crystal. There's a lot of stuff like that that have a lot of that stuff in common, you know. Uh, Star Wars, all that kind—it's got kind of like that mythical, mythological lore to it, and that and that story is fantastic. It's right up there, really well written. Right, I gotta—the story is up there with Lord of the Rings. It's totally different. Uh, it doesn't follow your normal. We're going to war. There's a common enemy type of deal. Um, you know, it's not your typical Braveheart story either, where the kings are just trying to up upend the kings. And get their freedom? No. Uh, you know, there's 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 multiple layers to it. The, her- the heretic explains that the Skeksis and Mystics were eventually one being, and they they split in two, and they came down to the planet, and this just how, this is what's going on. But yeah, if you haven't seen the Dark Crystal, I highly recommend it. I got to give it a night. It's a little bit better than the boys. Um, yeah, but it's definitely one of the best. I, I don't think the at any point the usually Netflix when they you know it takes a story to, to gain traction. Uh, usually takes half a season before you know starts getting good. Not this one. This one was good from almost like the jump, and it stayed good. Uh, there's a lot of characters into it. That's why it's, it's kind of hard to name all the characters. Then the characters die. Rianne's dad dies. Uh, Rianne's first girlfriend dies. D is turning evil. One of the princes dies. The old Maldra dies. Uh, there's there's a lot of death. Um, in in the series, like I mean, and this puppet's dying. You don't get the gore, but they do. Like yeah, I'm rooting for Hup and I'm rooting for D. Now D is fucking possessed. And anything that she touches at the end is now turning to the darkening. And it's like, bro, they're never going to... I don't think they're going to get Deet back. Deet's not coming back. 
Um, I don't know if they can, there's a way to bring D back other than finishing collecting the darkening and possibly transferring the energy once again from her to someone, someone else. But it might be too late by that point. You know. So I could see this series going at least another two or three seasons. At least. I don't know when you know Netflix is going to renew it or let them film it but they got to get on it because I, I thoroughly liked it uh, I thought it was well done and now that they built the sets and they built the characters and they built the puppets it's not much more to keep it going you know what I mean this was the initial run and I think they're going to make their money and now it's just a matter of just keeping it going because the story the story going to get good can get better uh, like I said there's more mystics out there there's more uh, out there as well um, that they had even talked they were, they talked about it a little bit like there was more more of them out there the heretic nobody knows who's his other side well actually I'm not 100% certain of that uh, but there's definitely more mystics and I, I think they're going to take up battle as well the live tree is gone so you know they take they, there's a lot of bloodshed on both sides and uh, you know an amazing amazing little you know series now going forward i'm gonna watch violet evergarden uh it's an anime i'm gonna jump back in anime and i'm gonna be doing that for a little bit so i'll let you know when i get some good animes watched um but that concludes my dark crystal review like i said give it a nine out of ten go watch it thumbs up two thumbs up I, I really liked it. Uh, and right now it's about 4 p.m. Like I said, 4 p.m. now, 4.15. My Raiders start up in about... I think they start at 7. So I got a couple of hours and then, you know, it's game time. So once the game concludes, I guess tomorrow I'll get, I'll get I'll wrapped up what I see. You know, give you a little rundown and get this episode posted. Um... And then after that, you know, we'll see how the season goes. See what the, how things go. I got to get my anime reviews. I got a concert coming up, you know, October. I got Knock Loose coming up. So I got some things happening. Stay tuned, you guys. All right, I'll be back in a little bit. Yo, yo, yo. So, all right. So this is the last segment of this uh, this episode of my podcast and today is all about my motherfucking Raiders yeah we fucking we tapped the Denver Denver Bronco Denver Bronco ass last night um, the game started at 720 I actually watched like most now nah, from like the end of the the end of the first half and all the second half of the Houston Texan Sands game, which was a good game, man. Good game both on defense and offense. Um, the Saints gutted it out at like the last, last, last possible second. Um, kicked the field goal to win it with like two seconds left to go. You know, ah, if you watched the game, you know, but if you didn't, the Saints beat the Texans. 30 to 28. It was a good game. Phenomenal game. Deshaun Watson is phenomenal. Um, 
Breeze and the Saints look like they're poised to make another run at things. But nonetheless, uh, as I knew uh, going into it, you know, and I got a lot to talk about the Raiders. So maybe I was going to spend a little bit more than 20 minutes, 30 minutes here. There's a lot going on in Raiderland. Um, a lot of fucking noise, man. Um, there's, let me rewind the clock back to last season, you know, when the off season officially hit and everybody was talking about draft picks, a lot of people wanted us to draft a quarterback, um, saying that Carr was not, you know, he was damaged, he got injured too much, or he just, he regressed, he shrunk down, you know, a lot of people were saying that <clears throat> we needed to draft, you know, the next Khalil Mack or whatever, you know. We needed a pass rusher. They wanted us to take uh, the other Bosa bro. You know, there's three of them. And I, they wanted us to take him. Uh, there was a couple of people that, you know, Raider Nation had been on and on and on about. And that's the case for any team that doesn't have a winning season for the most part, like the Lions, you know, Matt Stafford and the receiving core and the running backs are always up for discussion, especially around draft time. So the draft happened, you know, and we drafted Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and John Abrams. We drafted those people. Now, if you go back to the media, they gave us, like, a C rating, like, claiming that we could have gotten all those players in the second round and that we didn't have to waste three first-round picks on three second-round draft picks. And they said we should have got this person and that person and this person, and we would have been, you know, so much more better drafted. And basically, everybody around the NFL said that our draft was total trash and that there was a circus show running with Mike Mike Mayock and John Gruden and we didn't know what we were doing and we had the scouts all wrong and we're doing this and we're doing that and blah 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 there's a lot of noise there hell of a noise then this AB thing started really kicking into high gear you know all then we were on HBO Hard Knocks You know, that whole thing, you know, uh, you know, people were talking about John Gruden, about how he's still a TV personality and he's he's not a, not really in it to coach. He's blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a rift between there's still ongoing tension and drama between the fans about us moving to Vegas, about us staying in Oakland one more season, this, that, and the other thing. And then there's, like I said, then there's the A-B thing that all happened. And for the most part, you know, I didn't really mind his helmet issue. I didn't really mind him missing practices due to his cryotherapy, his feet, you know. If, you know, for me in my eyes, your feet as, a, as an athlete, uh, if you 
can't run or your feet are in bad shape, I mean, what really good are you in almost any sport? Like, you know, it's one of those things like your eyes, your feet, you know, your arms. If you don't got those working, then you're almost out of a job in any in any sport. I can't really think of a sport right now where your feet are not crucial. And actually, it's your whole body, but you know, your feet are pretty important. Because if you have a bruised rib, I mean, you could probably still play uh, basketball. You might be able to still play baseball if you got some bruised bruises on your ribs. And, you know, um, you, if you have a shoulder injury, you know, you could probably still run. You could probably still you know, your hands, you know, I see basketball players, Kobe was playing with broken fingers and dislocated fingers, like, all the time, um, you know, but the feet is one thing, so, I mean, I got the feet, uh, then the helmet issue came up, you know, and he filed a grievance against it, and then he lost, and he filed another one, now, I get the helmet thing for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, I'm a huge fan of having the sun visors. I wear sunglasses. So, like I said, your eyes are very important. So, if a player feels that, hey, this new helmet I'm not comfortable with, you know, my helmet that was good, for the several years before my helmet um, has served me well. I've, I don't have the sensitivity to the light, and I don't feel like dust is going to get in there and get in my eyes or whatever the case may be. You know, I just kind of feel like, yeah, you have your right to at least be in the discussion. Like, hey, can I wear this helmet that I've been wearing? It's my favorite helmet. I trust it. You know, like if you trust your, you know, whatever, like you trust certain things like that. Like if you bought a car for work, you trust that, hey, um, this car has gotten me back and forth to work all the time. It's never left me abandoned. Why would I switch it out for a new one when this car does the right thing? It gets me, you know, it's taking care of me. I feel safe in it. It's the same thing. And if somebody says, no, 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 well, we're going to, because of safety protocols and this and that and the other thing, you need a new guard, you know, get rid of it. You'd be hesitant, like, hey, I mean, I guess, okay, but, you know, somebody might say, hey, you know what, this car has not failed me, you know. So I got the helmet thing as well, like, I get it, like, you know, whatever, I mean, he was he making a kind of a big deal about it, yeah, you could say that, I mean. It's just a helmet. And the NFL is trying to make it safer for players. But then again, you know what? Like I said, if you know if he's comfortable with this helmet and it was he was wearing, I don't see the big deal about letting him keep it. Especially if you could just say, hey, you know what? Sign a little addendum, you know, like you know, sign a little addendum, like okay, if you get injured during the season, then it's your fault. I mean, I'm pretty sure you would have been okay with it. 
But I think, you know, and then him missing practices and him missing stuff, you know, and not, you know, not going to the meetings and all that kind of bullshit. To me, not that he's above the team, but he was physically, his feet were fucked. So I could see me missing the practices. Now, as far as missing the meetings and not being proactive with the club, yeah, you got to gripe with that. Mayock was on it pretty quick, like, hey, you're all in or all or all out, or what? what's the deal? You need to report, you know, and he wasn't, and there was signs that, you know, it wasn't following the rules, and he started posting stuff. Uh, but I think it just really went sour towards the end. Um, and, I, and you have to believe, like I believe that, you know, he probably thought he was going to be a Patriot from a while ago. And then he got off the Steelers. He was traded from the Steelers. You know, traded Oakland for a third and fifth, which isn't really nothing. As a matter of fact, the NFL might give us back a fifth round or whatever, one of those picks, uh, a compensation pick. Seen as, you know, we tried to work it with AB and it didn't work. And, you know, we almost wasted our few months of just really time and effort. Um, you know, and his goal ultimately was to be a Patriot or, and I do, I do fully believe that his goal was to be on a contender that wasn't the Steelers. So it could have been the Patriots. It could have been the Saints. It could have been, you know, the Packers. It could have been, you know, the Chiefs. I, I believe he was eyeballing one of those teams. Now, the Patriots come into play because the Patriots... I think it's been reported now that they wanted him from the jump. And, I mean, they just won the Super Bowl. So, of course, they're a contender. And that's where he just ultimately wanted to go. So, he got released from the Steelers. The Steelers traded him to the Raiders. And I think, you know, initially, I think he did want to be a Raider. Like, he was thinking about it. Because the money was there. But... You know, for half of what he was going to make in Oakland and go play with the possible contender, I mean, it was a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer on his part. It's a no-brainer on anybody's part. You yourself out there, if you if you make $50,000 at your job, you know, working at your local, you know, police department, that's your job, and an offer comes in, hey, you know what? You can make thirty thousand or twenty-five thousand here at Amazon, but in a year or two, we're gonna give you, you know, the keys to the car, so to speak. Or you can come and hit. It's possible you can hit it through the roof. You know, you could be a legend here. You know, of course, anybody. And I've stated that in the past about football. When the Patriots come calling. Almost money goes out the window because you're thinking, well, you know what? I'm going to win here. I'm going to get a ring. I'm going to do this or that, you know. Uh, my numbers will increase versus being on a team where my numbers probably decrease. So I get it. Am I mad at the man? Nah, I'm not. Uh, like I said, he, he's never even played a snap for the Raiders. He wasn't even at the practices, so he didn't really... Thank God he wasn't at the practices and then pulled a fast one on us, on us like two days before the opener. Then that would have really been a bum, bummer. But you know what? 
I look at it like this. You know what? Tom Brady is 42 years old, man. Um, they just won the Super Bowl. Uh, back-to-back Super Bowl champions haven't happened. And you know what? I got a sneaky feeling that this is it for the Patriots. They have long since been eyeballing the end of their dynasty. And I think it's coming. And I think it's going to happen this year. Tom Brady looks absolutely like he doesn't have no zip on the ball. The Steelers' defense wasn't up to the task, but there's defenses out there that are. And they will get, they will pressure Brady. They will knock him. Uh, his old age will show. Uh, Father Time is undefeated in any sport. Um, so, m- more power to you, A.B., to go into that old man's dungeon with that old man Belichick at the helm. But just because Tom Brady is there today does not mean he'll be there tomorrow. He's an ankle sprain away from being a B or C level tiered quarterback with subpar running game and just a little bit of defense. So more power to you, A.B. You roll the dice. You're going to go there instead of having Derek Carr and a young quarterback, Vegas in the future, and a team that actually, as of last night, Josh Jacobs, two touchdown, 100 yards in his first pro game on Monday Night Football. Uh, it hasn't been done since the Danian Thomason. I mean, huge piece of the puzzle. Uh, John Abrams out there completely killing people out in the backfield. And Cleveland Farrell, you know, getting sacks, more sacks than Khalil Mack did. Uh, so, you know... We, these draft picks look like they had a chip on their shoulder. It showed Gruden used them well. Uh, overall, the, you know, the Raiders went right down the field on opening drive and punched it in for seven. Um, we're up 14 to zero at halftime. We won the game 24 to 16 overall. Uh, Dwayne Harris popped off a 75-yard kickoff return, almost to the house, almost to the house. Uh, Tyrell William fucking seemingly just is gelling with uh, DC. DC looked sharp, no sacks, no picks, um, handed the ball off well, throwing it uh, underneath when you need to, throwing it deep, taking some... uh, Derek Carr throws a pretty deep ball. I don't know if you guys have ever seen people throwing deep balls, but his shit comes out with almost a flick of the wrist. Doesn't need to step into it and do that whole heave, but it comes out and it, you know, it looks just as pretty as any football you've ever seen come out of anybody else's hand with just enough arch. And with the time, if we can keep him clean, uh, it limit his sacks, it limit his injuries. You know what? Um, the Raiders will have a good season. Am I saying 10 wins? No, but I, initially I was thinking six or seven. Um, but I gotta say, if they could play like tonight, they're gonna knock off some wins. They could get to eight wins, nine wins, maybe 10 wins. Is in the we got a daunting schedule, yeah, but uh, we can catch a little bit of a break. Because I think we're going to clobber the Broncos again. I think we're going to beat the Chargers for sure this year. 
And I think we got to stand a good chance. No Tyreek Hill. We got a good chance next week. You know, it's the Chiefs and Raiders next week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the game overall was well. I mean, we got to Flacco. Uh, you know, we had an injury. Player carted off. What is his name off the top of my head? Can't think of it off the top of my head. But the, uh, reports are he's doing well. And it was just a scary accident. You know, it should be. Hopefully, he's only out a week or two. Um, and, yeah, Von, uh, Montez Burfick, it looks like he's fitting really well in the Raiders scheme of things. Uh, the dude Morrow or Morrow uh, on defense as well. The very first play that the Broncos ran on offense was like a loss of like four yards. The run just was blown the fuck up like immediately. And that dude that did that, his name is Morrow, but I'm not sure if it's Morrow or Morrow. Because there's two players on our team with similar sounding names. But anyways. Uh, yeah, I think the Raiders played extremely well. I got to give them like a B plus. Um... Maybe even an A minus rating as far as how the team played. I think honestly we could have dominated a little bit more, but I get I'm only gonna give us a B plus or an A minus currently right now because this is the first game of the year. Um, there was no turnovers on our end, and I don't think there was any turnovers on defense that I'm aware of. I know we had sacks and close calls but no turnovers so we need to get a turnover maybe a turnover game or two waiting for that to pop off you know make sure that that defense is really really hitting on all cylinders um penalties a little bit of penalties wasn't too bad for us penalty wise um and then I think we could, yeah, I guess we could have, I think we probably left the touchdown out there. You know, we, we got bottled, boggled down a little bit, you know. The Broncos defense is the Broncos defense. So, I mean, maybe on a, you see, on a, I think if we play a less defense-oriented team, impossible, like, like, let's say the Colts, I fully expect us to drop 30 to 35 on the Colts. Because they don't have no defense, and then they're, Offense, even though they played well against San Diego, I mean, come on. We should be able to, if you think about it, we should be able to score on them at minimum, drop 30 points. Now, you know, the Broncos have pride, so Von Miller and Chubb right there. You got to take into consideration that, okay, the Broncos have defense so okay the 24 points that we scored you know is good so if we take that to a less defense oriented team we should be able to put up more points than that um then that would you know we got the chiefs coming up so i don't know what to expect i had pegged that as a loss back when i was looking at the schedule and i could only see us winning like six or seven games because we have an absolutely horrific stretch of games. We're not at home for like a month and a half. 
And then there's a bye week. It's a little bit more than a month and a half. Uh, there's an absolutely terrible stretch of games where we're just like far. And, you know, the NFL did that because we're, you know, we're, the Coliseum is no more. Well, it's not no more, but it's, you know, uh, the A's are, you know, there. And then we don't want to be embarrassed the turf or the dirt field anymore, the baseball. You know, the NFL was just like, you know what, just the Raiders don't even need to be there. So that, you know, as far as Raiders are concerned, we're halfway, halfway into Vegas, halfway in Oakland right now. So the NFL was just like, oh, we're not going to have games at your home for fucking a month and a half. It's going to be on the road. Deal with it. And, I, and we do play some very fucking dangerous teams. Um, but you know what? I got I got hope. I think even though those games initially looked like, wow, like there was a, the toughest schedule. Now I look at it, now that some of the dice have rolling and some of the pieces are in there, I look at it now, I was like, we're going to be in a lot of the games. You know, we may go 8-8, eight and eight, we may, but I look at it like, we're going to be in those games. I, we may get blown out a game or two, but we're not going to get whipped up, and the games are not going to be over, you know, until it's over. You think these games, if we lose them, we're going to just barely lose them. We're going to be within striking distance of losing them or winning them. I think we're going to be into all these games. And I think, I really think, as for as much people that were criticizing Gruden and criticizing the Raiders, the Raiders made the right decision in stabilizing the coach now for 10 years. They made the right decision in stabilizing the quarterback, you know, for X amount of years. We made the right decision in getting rid of Khalil Mack, you know, and trading him with that blockbuster trade to Chicago. Um, and tips off to the Packers for handing the Bears a loss, you know, last Thursday. And for, you know, really putting some doubt into Mike Trubisky, you know, or Mitch Trubisky. You know, put a little doubt into him. Put a little Aaron Rodgers. Put a little fear in that Bears. Uh, you know, offense. You know, do the Packers? I mean, they have a defense. It looks like. But the Bears, you know, scoring three points in four quarters. Come on, bro. Like, if that's the best you're gonna do, I'll enjoy that pick you're giving me this year. You know, I'll enjoy it. And I think Dallas Cowboys only a pick two, you know, this year as well. So we're good. We're good with the picks. I'm okay with shelling out a third and a fifth for AB. We may get a compensation, a compensatory pick. We may get, you know, the Bears could easily, you know, I don't know where the Bears thought they were going to be Super Bowl contenders, but the Packers are still there. And the Packers now look like, uh, they're willing, they have a defense that can do some damage. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings absolutely thrashed the, the Atlanta Falcons. So the Vikings and the Packers are, I think, at the top of the pack. 
Chicago Bears, you got a mountain to climb, and I don't see it happening, bro. I hate to break your guys' hearts, but mm, this is decisions that you should have made way back when. You know, you shouldn't have given up $100 million in the in the first and second round picks to the Raiders. You shouldn't have done that. I could have looked at that and told you no, but, you know, that's what Khalil Mack wanted. That's what the Bears wanted. The Raiders were happy to give him. And looking back, the Raiders made the right decision. It's easy to say, hey, you know what? That's a Hall of Fame player. Don't let him go. Antonio Brown might be a Hall of Fame player. Probably is already. But you know what? You don't want to be in, in Oakland. You don't want to be part of the Las Vegas Raiders. You don't want to be part of the culture when we turn this thing around and start becoming a winning franchise again, you know. And I see it on the horizon. Once we get to Vegas, like I've stated in the past, once we get to Vegas, things are going to turn around, especially when the draft picks come to town. They're not going to want to leave Vegas. Vegas is a great city. Um, it's a it's a travel destination. There's things to see, things to do, shows that happen, concerts, you know. These are things that I can see that other cities don't have, like a Kansas City, like Indianapolis, like, you know, some of these other cities, like Cleveland, like Jacksonville. What is there? Nothing. Does Aerosmith roll to your town? Do they have a residency there? No. Did, I mean, I literally think all Vegas is missing is some badass museums, you know, bringing in, open up a natural history museum there. And they might have it. I've never seen it, never visited. But they, some stuff like that, they have Lake Mead is right there. Um, you know, it's the desert. It's hot. L.A. is just a quick one-hour flight over or a couple-hour drive. It's quick. You're not really far from L.A. or San Diego. You're just not. We're really not that far from NorCal either. Vegas is a prime, prime real estate, and I'm glad the Raiders are there. Now, like I said, the Raiders made a a great decision in Gruden, made a great decision on Carr, made a great decision on Mac. We released Antonio Brown. We made some great draft picks. I think they're already, our draft picks look great. Um, You know, and I I just really think we're going in the right direction. We got... We didn't shell out $30 million for ABs, and we got some loose pocket change. Um, I don't know what the team's going to do with that money, but you know what? The season is still young. The season is mighty, mighty young. We can pull off a trade if need be. We can get another receiver that's disgruntled. I'm looking at Miami. I'm looking at Cleveland. Um, I'll take... I won't take OBJ, but I'll take the other homie that was on the Dolphins that went to Cleveland. I'll take that guy. And as a matter of fact, it's it's OBJ's friend. I'll take that guy. You know, um, there's just teams that got blown out. You know, I'm looking at the Giants, too. I don't know who the guy's receiving, but, you know, I'll I'll take some players. We can shell out some money for a player a player that wants to get released or traded for next to nothing that come to be a Raider and we can gel up with for, you know, several games. I'm with it. I And I'm not against getting another defender over there. We might need 
we might need another pass rusher. I mean, I'm not against it. You know, the Raiders got options. The Raiders look great going forward. This was a great uh, week one win. Silence the noise. You know, that's what really, really, to me, what really set this win apart from most other wins. I mean, there was just a lot of noise the last couple of weeks. Last, and then more specifically last week. And a lot, and you know what? Uh, to me, like I said, it still fucked the Patriots every day. But there was just a lot of noise in Raiderville, and we silenced it all with the win. Uh, we got rid of all of that luggage and dumped it in a fucking trash trash can. You know, it just so happened to be the Denver Broncos. But we got rid of it, and now we're on to week two, you know. No more A.B., no more hard knocks, no more this, no more that. Just straight football and wins or losses, and that's it. Love that shit. Um, as I stated, it still fucked the Patriots. The Steelers look like a complete mess on defense. Um, it's what it is, boys. You know, the Raiders actually look like they played well on defense. So let's go. See if we can get eight and eight, nine and seven, you know, something like that. Something to go hang on to heading to Vegas. You know. That'll do for this episode. Uh got some big things happening coming up soon. So I I you know, the next episode I don't know what I'm focusing on, but like I said, I got some I got some big items coming up, concerts and whatnot. You know, and I'm trying to make the Thursday night game for Oakley, uh, Oakland and Los Angeles Chargers, the San Diego Chargers. So that's all coming down the pipe. Anyways, guys, I'll catch you later. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, see you next time. See you, or I'll hear you next time. Late.